Stupid! Get up! I'm a doctor there! Get up! <laughs> That's just gonna be the intro of the podcast. I just I recorded the segment. <laughs> I'm gonna stop recording now. You understand? Hello and welcome to season three. You may have noticed a few changes to the format of this show. Um, for one, this season is going to be serialized. We're going to have guests on uh, on a roster that appear for multiple episodes, and we will have follow up questions that you can send to them in the email and the context that I'm providing in the description of this show. We will answer some of those questions as time goes on, and we plan to do a follow up episode to get to those questions. Um, the other thing you might notice is that this season is going to be a lot less formal. So it's not a full-on interview one-on-one like we had in previous seasons. Um, we did these episodes live in person and we wanted to have a more casual, comfortable environment where there'll be more jokes thrown around. So while we do talk about the pre-tertiary and tertiary debate experience, we also sort of injected our own humour um, into the show. And inevitably, what this means is that viewer discretion is advised uh, there will be some swearing but as m- my audience gets older i'm pretty sure you all can take it i'll be talking to both sean and shermay who were partners for nus in the last world universities that happened and they managed to go quite far making it all the way to the quarterfinals of that tournament um, they are well-known figures in the debate scene here in singapore i think this conversation was incredibly fun to record lastly i just want to apologize for some of the echoing you might hear uh, from my voice during the episode there were some audio issues that we couldn't fix but they will be fixed in the next time that we sit down together that's it enjoy do you, do you want to do it like, like i introduce you all by myself, myself. Not, not here, I'll do it at home. I'm not going to bang Sean at home. I'll do all the... Wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. Aaron, stop. You're not going to wait to be here, but you wait to be at home. No, no, no. no. I mean, like, like, like wait about... Wait about you. I hope you're recording that, by the way. I am, I am recording. You're an excellent introduction, you know. You definitely immediately are M18. People will be like, aha, I see you're trying to engage the uni debate. They all grew up already. The no, apex of, of, of Singapore debating, guys. Apex of Singapore, Singapore podcasting. podcasting. I just want to check how you're going to introduce this. Oh. Don't come and come on. We're actually introducing the 11 in the world and the 32nd in the world. So, all the same thing. You don't. Never mind the fact one round the score was so fake. Introdic Sorry, which round? Introdic Paul. I don't know. I don't know what the problem is there. The words came out of my mouth. Never mind the fact, I saw that literally just transcriptions of things I say in prep, no? Actual transcription. It's a f***ing econs motion. You think that he can own self go off into a tangent about how things work, is it? Of course, in fact, I think there were parts that you said, this one you explain yourself. Then the explanation had nothing to do with economics, right? It's like some political explanation, hey. some social explanation. I'm, I'm sure he did, he did his A-level econs well. I got a B. Alright. Um, I'm still very worried about this f***ing intro. <laughs> How dog s*** will come out? <laughs> this is our worst nightmare, I'm... you know. Our nightmare has always been that someone accidentally hears the conversation <laughs> We always talk about how, right? We are one mute button away from the <laughs> cancellation. Okay, so anyway. Let's <laughs> get started. So, so we're here to discuss 
debating, debating in general, uh, the, the Singapore debate circuit, uni debating, um, and everything in between. But I think the starting point should be for the two of you. Um, like, how do you all introduce the debate, and uh, very briefly, what your journey has been like at this point? Uh, it was extremely fun until the point where I was no longer allowed to fly. Then it became significantly less fun. Hey. Uh, <laughs> or at least less, um, less financially worth it. Because in the past, it was very expensive, but I got to see other countries. Then right. after <laughs> COVID, it was still very expensive, but all I got to see <laughs> was Yochukang. <laughs> For context, um, Sean's house is in the middle of nowhere. Why is that going on the recording? <laughs> <laughs> it takes a grab. Like, like most grab drivers get lost on the way. So <laughs> you, so you started in secondary school. Like, how do you get introduced to debate? I was I started in secondary four. So my school didn't have a debate club. Um, we had an English teacher with hopes and aspirations for the Chinese school. Uh, and he decided to ask all the teachers in the English department to recommend the best English students to form a debate team. Um, and then of the, I think, 10 or 11 recommended students, he made us give a speech. And he own self admitted that at no point in the speeches did he consider the content that were, we were delivering. <laughs> Not even really our style, but whether or not we had quote-unquote fire in our speeches. And that's how we selected the debate team. He then proceeded to sign us up for a number of tournaments, like a few invitationals and uh, JGs. He also decided that he didn't want to sign us up to Div 3 in JGs because he says um, as a band 1 school, uh, there's no POIs in Div 3, so we shouldn't be there. So he signed us up in Div 2, even though we had zero debating experience. He also gave us no trading. He just um, rented a room for us. Like, he booked a room. And then let us yell at each other for two hours. Um, That's pretty good training. It's pretty much what the meeting is. At some point, I think... I remember someone was talking about dog arenas in the training. I cannot remember, but it was not training. We were horrific. Uh, and then the best thing that he did for us was... At some point, he decided, actually, I'm too lazy to do this. So he left the school <laughs> and did his master's. So now we had tournaments to go for. No coach, no teacher. So we went for random tournaments to learn how to debate. Uh, and then we just emulated the styles of the debaters there. So that was secondary school. Uh, and then in JC, I was considering doing debating. But I went to the the open house for the CCAs. And in SA, when I walked into the room, I was like, this looks like a circus freak show. So I really didn't want to join. Uh, but eventually I did. I don't know why. Then I debated in JC for a few years. Never broke at MIs. Uh, and because I never broke at MIs, um, as is the story of every NUS debater that has ever been there was a chip on my shoulder so I joined the uni debating that is the story of my debating things sort of spiraled after that though in uni? yeah yeah I mean we were always quite close uh, the, 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 the debaters in my JC were always quite close not close but we always trained quite a bit with the NUS university debaters so in a way, I guess, uh, we were always more interested in how debating would be like in university than in, in junior college. Also because I think even then we kind of recognised that the way that the university circuit debated cared a lot less about things that we just weren't good at. So things like style, structure, um, poise, whatever that means. Yeah, so because of that, I was always more excited about starting debating in uni. Yeah, I would say... One of the reasons why it kind of spiraled in universities is, is actually because it's a lot more social interaction. You get to make more friends. Uh, it's also a different kind of debating. It's more competitive. It's more fun. Uh, learning is very self-directed. You, you get to feel, I guess, like you have a lot more control over your progression 
um, in the sense that you are not limited by like you know style or, or structure or those kind, other kinds of things um, or like you know the school's resources and, 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 and school restrictions and things like that so that's why that's why I think um, you got I got more invested in university and so, so how about you Sean you are slightly younger than Sean slightly younger than Sean yeah, yeah but you oh but you should probably add in that Sean has been debating longer than me I don't actually think that's true it's true we calculated before, remember? You've been debating since primary school. Eh, no lah, that doesn't make sense. Your chronology got Tai Chi. Why? Because it cannot be only JG's at the start of Sec 4, but already a few invitationals before that. Where you got time? Hey. JG's February there. No, the invitationals were, were uh, in the lead up to, to JG's. Ah, f*** it. I thought I could pull you back one year. So, Sean, how about you? Like, how did you get started in debating? So I suppose the, the first time I debated was primary school, um, primary five sort of thing. Um, but I, I, saw, I remember actually Ariel Lim and Neil Weishong, um, two mm-hmm. old debaters. So the first people to ever tell me about debating, I think. There might have been some like Nanyang hour workshop thing, but whatever. Um, so they were the first people to actually coach me, I guess. Um, but that was like very ad hoc, as I always insist. Um, so like, and then after that, we trained a bit during recess. Um, in the lead up to Wits and Words um, didn't break anything in primary school um, then I went to Hua Chong and there was no football so I joined debate um, and that's I guess how I got into the activity um, I suppose also in my time it was like the post the arena generation which is really showing my age the, like when debate was on channel 5 um, and so that looked kind of cool I feel like in my experience in that sense differs a lot from Shermis probably because um, I mean Hua Chong we we did complain that like I mean we did underpay our coaches in JC at some point we were I had one year where like Benson volunteered to coach another year where we had to find the money to pay a coach by running a tournament what happened was we ran the first well, first ever HCBPs um and Shermaine was the CA and then we got money for for the record HCBP is no longer a for profit tournament um but back in that day the, the day it was desperately for profit um so yeah I mean so that I guess. Um, it was a bit of a different Hua Chong from what it is now. Um, but having said that, like it was obviously very privileged. I right? had fantastic coaches, fantastic support from seniors. That was basically my journey in high school, in schools debating, I guess. So, so, so let me get this straight. So Sherms gets basically dragged through the mud. No coaches, no, no, nothing for a good what? Yeah, I didn't sign up for this to sound bad, you know. <laughs> like for, for a good like four, five years. You, you have, have all, all the, the all the coaches, coaches everything in the world. How do you add up 30 <laughs> positions below? <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, this is the best idea I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> we join this podcast really damn good. I have two very important clarifications. The first is, don't tell me four or five years. She was coached in JC. And secondly, she is five years older than me. Five whole years. But, but, so, but yeah. you have more experience. I mean, okay, I guess this segues into the next part of the answer. I think I pronounced that wrongly. Also, I mean, granted, yes. But I feel like um, a lot of it is that schools debating is fundamentally very different from uni debating. And consequently, the value of the experience is quite different, I think. Uh, and we can go more into that later, I guess. But right. personally, and I suppose it answers the second part of the question uh, that I assume is going to be asked. Um... It's something I was always actually very, very cognizant of um, because back in our generation, we were, I think, a lot more tuned into the uni circuit than now, which I think is a function of COVID, honestly, because in the past, 
like you would one we came to uni trainings um, that is less a function of COVID more a function of we now think that kids should have seen sane commitments to debating um, that don't end at 11pm um, but second also when we went down to like NTUDCs and tournaments like that and I mean kids still go to these tournaments like when we, went, we, when we ran WR there were a lot of schools teams that was fantastic um, but because it's on Zoom you kind of log off before the finals as opposed to the last time you're in NTU you better make the most of the fact that you're in NTU because my god you're in NTU um, so if we lost the first novice out round we'll just stay for the rest of the day um, and so we kind of knew very intimately what the uni circuit looked like and the fact that those people were giving very different speeches from what we were giving and like consequently I think I was always very aware that there was another whole like world of debating out there to explore that even if like it's just giving speeches again I guess but the type of speeches and the way you think about that the sport changes a lot and so, so that's something I expected I guess when when, when you were going, going through you know uni tournaments as like a 17 year old and presumably that you're losing to NUS losing to NDU or whatever I'm just assuming you were losing you probably were um, he's he's vigorously shaking his head right now I lost most times I think he forgets that this is a audio medium <laughs> Um, but, but anyway, anyway like, 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 do you ever think, think like, there's, there's something, something that I'm not doing right? Or was it ever just like, like I have no idea what these fucking idiots are saying? Or, or, or do you already have a, some kind of knowledge that you were not doing things the way that, you know, uh, or you're not seeing things the way that they were seeing things, but they were probably like more advanced in their understanding of debate than you? So it's definitely over time. Um, so, yes, it starts with, they must like you know when you're young you like to blame other people right. so you start by blaming judges um, and I was lucky in that I had very good senior support um, and seniors would tell me stop being an idiot stop blaming judges um, it's probably it's almost certainly your fault uh, or like come on they're good it's confirmed your fault and so right. like you kind of go from it's confirmed not my fault to it must be my fault but I don't actually know why it's my fault and I kind of stayed there for a very long time like I could not for the life of me pin down what I wasn't doing right but I knew I wasn't doing something right. And all honesty, that lasted until probably the... S- easily after I ORD. Like, I think... To, yeah, I knew that there was something I wasn't doing. Right. But the question was what? And that's kind of actually a big part of improving. Because I feel like the problem with the school circuit is... It, it, like, it's not a problem. It's just how it is. Which is... Mm. Everybody kind of does the same things. Right. And so you don't really know why you're losing. Uh, mm. you don't, or you don't have somebody who beats you in a way that you don't even know why. And then you start reverse engineering. That's, I think... One of the more satisfying parts of growing as a debater. All right, so that's introductions complete. Actually, no, we haven't talked about Sean's uni journey so far. How has it been for you? Um, these are confirmed you crop parts. You can, you know, you can just not say the things that you don't want recorded, right? You have to be like, like you can just give me less work. That sounds quite fun. Keep saying that it is the crop. Go for it, bro. Uh, um, so, okay, so my, my uni career was weird. There's no doubt about that. Um, and it's weird because I think, like, a lot of, like, so for example, Kavindra has graduated, and my first NUS training was before he started. Um, so it's kind of like, I didn't have, I was, I guess, fortunate in that I didn't really have a big adaptation period because I'd always been in and around NUS debate. Um, but I think this one was the first thing that's, okay, I guess, abnormal. Um, the other slightly abnormal thing, I guess, is that um, I debated quite a bit in NS. Partly because nothing to do in life in NS. Um, 
Partly because I was quite sure I wanted to commit to debating in uni, or at least for the first bit of it. And so I did go to quite a lot of tournaments. And it was a very painful process, but... So I would, I think the only, the fairer way to judge my uni career is to say it started in sort of the second year of my NS when I started to get more free. And the reason I think that's relevant is, um, I think my uni career has been great. I, um, I mean, COVID obviously is very irritating, but I got to experience a bit of pre-COVID uni debating because I was going up to Malaysia. Um, I went to ABP in Jogja. Um, so I had that experience. And then, and I also, I guess, um, achieved quite some of the things I wanted to achieve early on. So for context, I'm in my second year. I've just finished my second year at NUS. Um, and like my best majors performance in terms of Asians was my first one, which is kind of irritating. Um, not because I regret doing well, but because that's become the standard that I hold myself to every tournament. So I guess the summation of the uni career is that I've, 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 I spent the last two years trying to, ch- to chase back what I managed in the first month. I guess there was stimulus for me, but that's another... Nightmare altogether. So the, the, the nightmare, nightmare of doing well. Right. So rude. Yeah. Don't get me started. But here to talk a bit about uni debating. Mm-hmm. And the, in, in some, some ways, the transition between schools debating and uni debating. Um, I think the starting point has to be put yourself in the shoes of a kid who just finished you know, MIDCs. Mm. Why, why would anyone put themselves through another? three, four years of debating after, you know, uh, they've already trained for MIs, maybe they reached the quarters, maybe they reached the exams, maybe they didn't break. Like, what's, why another three years of sitting down in a classroom and talking for extended periods of time? I think a lot of it is stuff I've alluded to sort of. I I, I was lucky. I did well at MIs. Um, <coughs> I, I, I won it. Well. Yeah. Okay, I won it. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the U and Rives shows. The U and I didn't break. I didn't broke. I didn't take part. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Uh, so I don't know. I I feel like, um, for starters, MIs. Um, okay. I I can't speak for Interpolis. I've never been there. I've never been. There's always been a clash in dates, so I've never been able to judge it. Um, but at least for MIs, um, I think it's very it's important to note that like MIs is not a mark of your ability as a speaker. Um, actually, no tournament is, really. Um, but, like, MIs is kind of... It's a bit of randomness, I guess. Um, I, I, I don't mean for this to sound like I'm salty against teams who won, especially teams since my teams haven't won when I coach. Because, um, you know, I have no interest to disrespect MIs. But... Um, I think the point is, MIs, like, like, your idea of yourself as a speaker shouldn't be affected by how well you did at MIDC. That's the first important thing. Um, and so that shouldn't be a reason you keep on debating. I think the common thing I hear about uni debating and why people don't do it is what Dion alluded to, which is that it's the same. And it goes back to what I said in my earlier answer, which is to me, it isn't. Um, in that the way, the... Number one, I think the level you, com- you compete at and the level you consider... Uh, and the things you consider in debating change quite a lot uh, to what I think is more interesting than MIDCs. Uh, partly because of the format change. I, I, I love BPs. Um, and the, ju- the way in which it is judged also changes. But I think the second important thing is that your worldview changes. Like, I, I, this is something I was telling my kids after MIDC this year as well. Um, your worldview changes a lot as you get older, I think. 
or you, whether it's because you read more, whether it's because you have more life experience. So at least for the guys, my worldview changed quite a bit in NS um, because the experiences I went through. Um, but also you've got like uni curriculum. I think to some extent, like any major you do, right? The fact that you're doing things at a far more specialized level means that you've got a far greater cap- capacity to read and a far, far very different view of the world. Um, or you're thinking at a far greater level than trying to regurgitate things for A-levels or for like, your exams in poly and whatnot. Um, and consequently, I think that transfers to debating a lot. Um, so, like, you know, in high school, you always, we always say, like, oh, do debating, we good for GP. But it's kind of the reverse in uni in that the things you do in school contribute to your debating. Um, and so that, I think, is why it's worth doing because it's, it's a whole new ballgame, in my opinion. I can only speak from my own experience because I think obviously everyone is very differently affected by how badly or how well they do at the JC level. Uh, I will obviously preface this by saying that if anyone feels like they didn't do well in MIDCs, I was a complete uh, wreck after my second MIDCs because even coming from a place with not many resources, I think I was very lucky to have a team that was very invested in doing well at MIs. And so the amount of effort that we had put into trying to do well at that tournament was honestly, I think, an unparalleled amount of effort for like anything else I've ever tried to do in my entire life. Um, as it is, I, I'm not a particularly proactive individual, uh, but but we really we really did a lot. So this looks like, for instance, you know, um, we didn't have enough money to continue paying our coach, so we used to like go down to different secondary schools that our coach was like at. Um, under the guise of, you know, potentially sparring these other secondary school kids. But, and we are JC students, right? Going down to a secondary school to have the opportunity to go against students who are way younger than us, possibly even better than us still, just so that we could get more coaching. We went for every tournament to just watch, even if we couldn't afford it. Um, like I used to spend every JC break in the library, reading up on news, metafiling, watching debates, memorizing the arguments that were there. Um, going to NUS trainings at like, you know, 7 p.m., leaving at 12. So, so the, and, and the whole team put in this, this kind of effort. And so I think when we didn't break, it was honestly quite a devastating experience for all of us. Uh, and we, I mean, all of us screwed up our midterms really bad because we had spent all that time um, preparing for MI. So it wasn't as if there wasn't sacrifice. So I obviously understand when people never want to go through that same uh, level of, I guess, loss. It's, it's a very risk-averse behaviour. But what I would say is that one of the reasons why I continued debating is the first is obviously that I was very fortunate to have had interactions with a university debating circuit in Singapore at that time that was basically at the top of its game. It was the best debating club in Asia. Um, they had challenged so many boundaries that seemed impossible for an Asian institution, like going to the quarterfinals of Worlds, um, winning UADC, um, you know, winning ABP getting to the finals of Austros, which was unheard of. It had never happened before. So when you are in, when you are near people, even if they're not necessarily your friends, but when you're near people who are, who are around you, who are doing so many things, you almost get a delusion of greatness in that I was so convinced that because I was part of this circuit and because I was entering NUS, there was no way I was not also going to become great. And I did have some, some, you know, some luck in that. Um, I, I did see quite a lot of improvement when I started putting in like effort in debating. And so that is kind of a bit of a positive reinforcement as well. But I think the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that there was nothing inherently great about me except for the belief that I could be. 
So when I started improving, it seemed like that was positive feedback to suggest that if you put in enough hard work, you can do whatever you want. So when I couldn't make it in MIS, I wanted to make it in university. What I'm trying to say here, I think what the takeaway should be isn't that um, there's anything special about me or there's anything special about anyone, but rather it's really just about how you think about your own debating, whether you enjoy it. And once you believe that you can achieve whatever you want, um, that's a good enough incentive to stay. And that's often also a good enough incentive to make you put in the work that gets you better at debating. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a great mindset to make you resilient. You don't care about losses. You just very doggedly keep asking for feedback, um, even though you look a bit like a bit of a loser. Um, and, and all of those other things. Uh, and I think one of the reasons why people don't want to continue is often because they think, well, if I couldn't do it once, what makes me think I can do it again? Uh, and that's really just mental, right? That, that, what, however you do it, MIBCs has no actual bearing on how you might do later on. In my experience, there's two perspectives, right? So the first is what you all said, right? Like, there are some people who just feel like they cannot do it after MIDCs. They don't really feel very confident in their debate ability. They sort of drop out afterwards. So the second group of people um, are people who see us at work, see how much we have to do, see the fact that we go for suppers at 1am or we're out until really, really late or we spend a lot of money on debating and think the level of commitment that you have to put into this activity is just way too much. Right? Like, how, like, do you think that that's the case? And, you know, if that's the case, is that worth it? Because we, we all know of people, and I'm not going to name names, but like we've talked about people who started out, they wanted to do any debating, and then eventually they realized, like, I don't want to spend 10 p.m., 11 p.m. at, you know, NUS Law or whatever training. Like, what would you say to those, those people? Um... Okay, I, I, I think that's a fair view to have. And I think that's a personal decision that everyone needs to make. Uh, I think there are two answers to this question, um, both related. The first, obviously, is whether debating specific... Oh, no, actually, I think the first question to tackle is probably, um, are you the sort of person who enjoys being the best at your game? And, and again, I, I don't think that you're wrong if you decide that you don't want to be. Uh, but I think the most important thing here is that you have to make a decision. Uh, some people are much happier just being a jack of all trades and a master of none. And I think if that is the case, then live your best life and be happy in the things that you do. But is there a space for people in the debate circuit who are like this? Like, is there a space for them? I, I think there is. Um, like, there is because you can be... I mean, you can. You can, you can definitely just be there for the socials. And I've seen people from other circuits do that. Uh, just turn up and maybe hope to break one day somehow uh, and, and, and are there primarily for the alcohol or the, the, chilling, the chilling out. Uh, and that's kind of why, you know, so many societies around the world have seen such a massive drop-off in participation ever since COVID because you don't get that anymore. So yeah, there's a space for that if you want to party, if you want to make friends, if you just want to be around people who have somewhat, you know, intellectual and well-read conversations, then you can go for it. I cannot relate to these people because I find the idea of just accepting my place as mediocre in a batch. Uh, and I don't say mediocre with a negative connotation. I just mean it as, you know, not, not someone competing for the top prize. Um, I, I don't find that, that prospect exciting. I find it quite dreary. But some people like that. And I think if that is the case, then you should pursue whatever you want. Uh, no one forces you to... No, no one really forces you to... to 
have to put in all the effort to be the best. You can, but then you have to then take on, you know, the fewer opportunities to come about from the fact that you are, you know, not the best. Um, and I think there is a space for people who want to do something like that. Uh, so, yeah, with regards to that part of the question, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a space for them. Uh, I, I've seen these people around. And as debating moves back to being in person, that space will become more and more relevant because you actually have other benefits that come from debating that are not just about the winning, I suppose. Yeah. But if you're the kind of person that really likes the idea of being at the top, one great thing about debating, I would say, is that it doesn't matter how long your runway is because there's always the opportunity for you to do or to be good. And what I mean by this is, you, you obviously see in university debating people with varying amounts of experience. Some people have debated for more than half their lives uh, because they started <laughs> in primary school, secondary school. Some people were on the national team. Some people were not. Some people only started in university, uh, but they still end up becoming very, very successful in the circuit. And that seems to suggest that there is something about debating that enables a, a very, le not linear, but at least a, a very tangible level of reward for each unit of effort that you're putting in, which is why it sometimes looks like it's crazy, right? You might think that it's not worth the sacrifice and the effort. Uh, and if you think that it's not worth it, then it's, you're probably not someone who wants to be the best at it anyway. But if you're asking whether it's worth it, again, I think that's a decision that you have to make yourself. What I will say, though, is that I do think that there is, there is, a, there is a particular uh, joy that comes from being able to deliver a very good speech. So that's that. Um, I think the second thing then is, you know, even if you're the sort of person who's extremely competitive, um, is debating the right spot for you to invest all of these, this knowledge in? Uh, I can tell you from first-hand experience, uh, debating is not that employable of a skill unless you're going to a debate-centric in industry. Uh, in fact, in some cases, being overly debating might well be damaging for your capacity to be able to be part of the real world because you increasingly realize that people don't see the world in seven-minute speeches. They don't have the same political inclinations that we tend to, you know, isolate ourselves into in debating. Uh, and it might make interacting with the real world a little bit more difficult because you're not used to how other people think. Um, but insofar as you're talking about university-level debating, aside from being part of a sport, debating is probably one of the few activities in which you have that same level of camaraderie, um, that same level of feeling like you are in the, in the trenches with your, your teammates and your contingent, uh, have that same level of sort of like unity and that, that tribalism that comes from, you know, identities that you might hold on to, like your region, your school, your team, and things like that. And I actually think that it's super fun. It's one of the reasons why I think debating is, is it, it can be an exceptionally addictive sport just for the social element. Uh, obviously, you know, entwined with like doing well in a con competition. But I think there is a particular value aside from, you know, just being more critical, forcing yourself to read, um, knowing a lot about many, many issues in the world that most people don't have interaction with. No, so okay. So I was going to add on a few things. Um, the first is that I think the idea... So obviously there is room. I agree with Shami. There is room for you to um, be the kind of debater you want to be um, in terms of the reward that you want out of it. I personally think the most important thing is you are conscious in making that decision. I.e., if you want to reach the top, you need to work to the extent that you can reach the top. Um, I mean, David 
from Ateneo. Bagger does a tournament every weekend or something. And then, and I mean, full credit to him. He's doing better. He's doing significantly better than me, even though I think we started around the same. Um, and full credit to him, right? He, he put in the work that I didn't. Um, Is there a kind of like a race to the bottom though? Because like, like, like there can only be one person at the top, right? In the institution. So I disagree. Okay. Obviously, every AVP, only one team will win it, right? Only one team is going to win, only one fellow will OBS. But I think the way I conceptualize of debating is that, like, I, so I started with aiming to win AVP, win Asians. Um, and I realized that actually what you, re- you aim for it, but realistically what you want to be is in, an, in that conversation. And who comes out top on the day? It, it, like most other tournaments and most other competitive things, it's a bit of dumb luck, right? It just comes down to the day. Um, so yeah, I think the point is that you make a decision on what, how much you want to commit. The second thing I would say in addition to what Shami said is that I think the other reason why people are frustrated is because they put in a lot of effort and they feel like they're not improving. And I think this is where the uni circuit differs from the high school circuit again. Because number one, the, like one thing I really appreciate in uni is that you've got so many people you can speak to. And I think often people are just say, awkward, embarrassed to ask. When in reality, I, like honestly, you look around see most like right. older debaters, everybody's very willing to help. Like you just right. message, people will help you. Um, Kevin told me this story a few episodes ago where he said that like he just was like very thick skinned and randomly messaging people who he thought were diagnosed for competitions and you would get a number who would reply to him and you just go for competitions with them and improve. And I guess that, that level of like, you know, being willing to forego that embarrassment is, is quite important. I mean, full credit to Kevin there because it took me quite a while to ask Nashomi to take me to a tournament when I was in NS. And then when I did, she blue ticked me. Um, <laughs> but, but like, I was waiting for this to come up. Of course. But uh, I mean, it's broader than that, right? Like literally, it's li- like, you just, it doesn't have to be asked for a tournament because it's a high investment um, right. from someone who doesn't know. I mean, full respect to Kevin for trying. I wish I did that. Um, I was more willing to do that. But yeah, but like, it's just like, how do I improve? What what drills do you do? What, how am I, like this is my take on this area of debating. Is that correct? These are things that I think older people are generally very happy to answer. And the difference between schools and uni here is twofold. The first is the number of people you have to ask. Because in school, right, no matter what happens, your coach is going to make the decision. Like, sometimes when I give feedback to certain schools, I keep thinking to myself, is, like, is there a point in telling them this speed? Because I know, I'm quite sure that their coaches don't really agree with that train of thought or their way of seeing debating. And like, I feel like the more the kid does that, the less the kid is going to be selected. And like, this is fair in that debating has multiple schools of thought. And like there are many, many ways to do it, right? There's different ways to convince people at the right. end of the day. Um, but in uni, like you've got no there's no such thing as a singular coach. Because to the best of my knowledge, most you at least in Singapore, all your big unis tend to try to rotate the people who select for tournaments. So you have a lot more independence to grow in that sense. And right. also, I might not be willing to reply to a high school debater because like nowadays boundaries are very important. But if you're at uni, obviously you can have that reply and so in that sense that like if you're frustrated about not improving you have to think about whether you are working in the right way as well mm. and, and and that's something i don't think you have like i think you have a lot more room to explore in uni right. yeah so that would be my add-on to what shami said 
When, when I was growing, growing up, like, like when, when I was in school, school right, like, like back in, you know, the place it cannot be named. <laughs> um, like, like there, there was always this impression. I'm not sure whether Sean, you 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 felt it or or it was conveyed to you that there's a degree of like. There's, there's a, a political, political game going on in the uni debate circuit, or there's there's some element of toxicity um, in the circuit, and that sort of dissuaded a lot of people from wanting to be a part of that. Now that you're in the circuit and you you are very much you know a apex <laughs> central focus for uh Singapore debating. Like, how do you view this? Like, do you agree that 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 there is this, this element of toxicity or is it's a circuit misunderstood. How, how do you reflect on that? So, I have a very zen take on this. So, I guess, um, which is possibly, I mean, maybe people say I'm toxic and they'll be like, oh, like you zen for what? It's your problem. You're the problem. <laughs> maybe. Possibly. Um, so, I think when people say toxic, right, they mean a lot of different things. One thing they mean is there is a lot of people giving comments on other people's debating. I think that's one angle of toxicity. And in all fairness, I understand why that's frustrating. Um, like one of my, I guess, more... One of my experiences I distinctly remember in JC was when I got an award, a speaker award, and, and other schools started laughing that I got it. Um, so that, that, uh, that I, I understand that it feels very irritating. But to me, debating is just a game of opinions, right? Like some people will think that you're rubbish. Other people think you're brilliant. That's just how it goes. Like if you honestly you ask enough people, you'll find some of the things that who think you're bad, and you'll find some of the things that are good. Um, right. and so the point is like you that that is I think the context in which you must take all these you take all these opinions, right? Like they're just opinions. I think it's fair to have them in that. Like we are all competing mm. in the same pool, mm. and obviously you naturally have opinions on your competitors. And it, I mean, sharing obviously there are ways to share them nicely and not nicely. And I don't think, I don't stand for like telling people that they're shit or whatnot. Right. But I do think that the existence of these opinions shouldn't deter you, so to speak. Right. The other angle, I suppose, is the whole like, there's a lot of politics going on and that's a different ball game. Again, my take is that politics is inherent to life. Uh, like office politics is a thing. Um, you want to play on a football team, there'll be politics. And play on, like you go NS, there's politics, even though all of you are there unwillingly. Um, so yeah, I think, I personally think things are getting better. Um, so the Singapore circuit, I can only speak for Singapore, obviously, and it's recently been quite good in that like, we are combining trainings for the World Championships um, all down at SMU. Um, and it's, as far as I can see, going pretty smoothly. Um, even back in 2019, one of my big memories of ABP is when like, y'all were fighting in the out rounds. Um, and then your the NUS teams and like SMU like kind of got together. It was like the, the whole like, Singapore feeling was very, very strong. So I think that there is undoubtedly some politics. But at the same time, if you look above it, and that like there are obviously ways to resolve the politics, like just being direct, which I, mm. I personally much prefer. Mm. Uh, so it's about communication, which I think is getting better. But on the other hand, there is also the fact that it's, the circuit can unite, and it's really, really nice when it unites. Like It feels quite good. I mean, my opinion has always just been if, if, if there's politics, there's a older people problem, right? In the sense that, like, when, when someone told me when I was in JCO, you know, there's a lot of politics in Singapore universities, my thing is, yeah, but they'll all be gone by the time I get there, right? And, and, and 
my my advice would be what I know is that the JC circuit there's some communication also. I think a lot more than we had at our time. So like um they have a WhatsApp group with like all of the different exco members of all the different JC clubs. You show kids so work nowadays. Apparently, yeah. Oh f ups. Okay, but my I think the JC circuit right now is a little bit more cohesive, and if you know the people there can remain non-toxic and stuff that will eventually translate into really debating as well because by then all of us will be gone already and it's up to the people then to decide what the culture is going to be um, so in that sense I, I, I don't think it's a big issue personally as well yeah in fact that was something I was very conscious of when I started like when I came into uni like one of the first thing earlier things I did was to try and make sure I reached out to the other unis personally just so like we open channel communication like there's no need for unnecessary drama just mm try to talk it up. Right, right. Okay. Let's pause here for a bit. Because Nashamin is a cigarette. It's not an insult. I just think that there are some things that, that obviously cannot start already. You can, you, I say you cannot start by saying it's not an insult. Because obviously like everyone is going to wonder what was an insult. I do think that so I, I've definitely heard this idea that uh, university debating is toxic. That's why lots of I guess also very talented students or students with a lot of potential don't want to join like specifically the Singaporean circuit uh, which is actually really sad because a lot of our talent is also leaving the country um, as much as we complain about foreign talent coming in lots of our local talent is also leaving <laughs> what I would say is I think sometimes the communication happens along the lines of just saying that everything is toxic without specifying what toxic means and I think that's an important distinction to make so I think Dion's correct. Obviously, you get to choose and you, you have a part to play in determining what the culture is like at a point at which you enter the circuit with your friends or whatever. But also, a lot of what is considered toxic often is just actually just bitterness from not getting the opportunities that you might have wanted. So I think there are a few things to note here. The first is that in any successful organisation, almost inevitably, you will see more politics. And the reason for that is because the higher you go, the more there is to gain from coming up on top. And because the top is narrow, sometimes when you don't get what you want for whatever reason, you might feel like it is a result of politics and, and you call that toxic. I, I don't know. I mean, it's unpleasant, but I don't think you can consider that to be toxic insofar as then you'll have to find a different way in which those decisions would have had to be made. And often people who say, you know, these things are bad don't actually have an alternative to how else you can allocate very scarce resources. I think that's the first. The second thing is, maybe it's uh, another thing that I've seen attributed to the idea of something being toxic is over-competitiveness. People are seen to be self-centered, selfish, only looking out for their own interests. And again, I think, there are a few things to note here. The first is, obviously everyone's looking out for their own self-interest as a base. One of the reasons why you join a sport like debating is because you are, to some extent, individualistic. You want to give a speech. It is, you're not doing a back-end role, basically. There's no research team in debating. You can be part of a larger squad. You can be a part of a club. You can, want, you can sincerely want your friends to do well, but you also want yourself to do well. And so people looking out for their own interests is not something that's unique to debating and it's not necessarily toxic. So 
obviously if people refuse to help you, then that would be a that would be an issue. But again, I think a lot of the times it's just a lack of reaching out. Because again, like it, it's the same thing that you guys were discussing earlier. If you are Bui say enough to reach out to enough people, eventually someone will say yes. And that yes is probably going to come a lot sooner than you think it will. It's just because people can seem very standoffish because of their face, lah, because you don't really know them, lah, because you've heard stories about them. Lah. But most people are not horrible people. Yeah, I think the issue is, is sometimes that you might expect that the help is forthcoming, but, but university is not secondary school. It's not a JC. Your teacher's not going to come to you after school and say, hey, you're not doing so well in school. Eh? Like, you need extra help. Do you want remedial? Actually, some of my teachers didn't even bother doing that. <laughs> so, if you're not willing to do take the first step and, and ask for that help, I think it's also probably um, incorrect to suggest that a circuit that doesn't, or, or people who don't come go out of their way to help, like, you know, the 20 new entrants that might be coming in uh, is, is a sign of the like a, a, a community that doesn't care about each other. Um, obviously, you, we can do more to build that feeling of inclusion and, and to make people feel like the community is out there for them. But it's, it, it's probably inaccurate to claim that this is a community that from the onset will never care and has never had an incentive to care for others. If the first step towards either forging that community or to reach out to people that might potentially be willing to help you doesn't exist. Yeah, in fact, I would argue the exact opposite. Like, okay, did, like, whenever I personally, anyway, the, like, to allude back to that whole circuit thing that I was talking about in terms of context of AVP, I'm always very happy to help people who are, like, sing up, like, my, the Singapore circuit, or, like, even Singaporeans overseas, because to me, that still represents my circuit, right? The school circuit that brought you all through. And I think we debate as ourselves for our for our achievement but at the same time what makes it meaningful for me personally and i think probably other people as well um, there's something we talked about show me like is the debating under that singapore and nus name and feeling like i representing a community and so that help is there in the community you just have to be bold enough to ask for it like people right. from like so recently in the world's run up for example like a lot of the a lot of people like have been texted like from other schools for example like can comment on my speeches and I'm happy to like to me if everyone in Singapore is progressing together that's fantastic yeah yeah yeah. I agree yeah. I think I, I think part of the maybe hesitancy towards communicating with like older people is that you know if you're 17, 18 let's say you know you're going to uh, debate after that the main place that they've seen all of us is mainly coaching right and and, and, and and you know, you know when you are going up against, against you know Hochong or whatever, like, like and then you see Sean on the other side, and then he's basically your opponent. It's obviously very intimidating. Then want to go up to 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 him asking for help, right? Um, because the, the, the adversarial nature of schools com- competitions means that you don't really see him as somebody you can approach, for example. Um. But, but I think it's, it's very important, important to figure, figure like figure out by yourself that that's totally not the case, mm. and that all of us um, will be willing to help whoever comes our way. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, within you cannot text kids. Of course, yeah, no, no, no. But what I mean is that you know, like let's say your, you know, let's say your your JC kid last year or two years ago, and you want to join a US debate, you know, they will have seen you coaching for for example. Yeah, you know, I mean, even if you want to message 
successful kids, whatever networks you all have, or like coach. Yeah, coaches. exactly. Yeah. And, and, and these networks um, should exist and, and should grow, but yeah. it's, it's obviously up to the individual people to find like to find that help la, like Shum said like, you cannot just be um, expecting that help come your way um, and, and for people to read your mind yeah. yeah I will say that one of the ways in which I, I, I improved so back when I was in JC my coach coached two schools myself and a secondary school that paid more money <laughs> Uh, my sec- uh, my JC was not able to pay the coach to watch our rounds, and consequently, we never had a coach in our rounds, which is fair you enough. You get paid to wo- to watch rounds. Yes. Oh, right. sorry, Dion. I need to bring that up to Hawaii. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but 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 I mean, it's fair, and obviously, if I was a coach, I would make the same decision. Uh, you don't really owe your kids, you know, uh, like opportunity cost of money but yes. but but so in order to one of the ways in which we got feedback then uh after the judge is i used to just go to the opponent's coach uh who was watching and be like hi i'm so sorry to bother you but if you have time could you give me some feedback it helps it's in person because then they're too awkward to say no <laughs> uh, but the point is that i got the feedback that i needed and and often uh and often what people don't realize is that all of these efforts actually build so if you are sufficiently shameless after some time, the opponent's coach that sees your uh, annoying ass come to them for the fifth time being like, hello, can I have feedback on my speech even yeah. though I might have beat your kids? Um, the coach is going to remember you. And yeah. all debaters, I think everyone who loves the sport um, enjoys it when people care about the sport. And so they'll be more likely to want to help you. They'll talk to your, to your coach about you. Yeah. They will try and see where else they can help you. One of the best memories I had, I think, they really cemented my, my desire to join NUS was out of nowhere, two NUS seniors messaged me uh, back when I graduated from JC and was like, would you like to go to some Ulu competition with us? And obviously as a kid, I was super starstruck. I was like, yes. I didn't know where the f*** they were talking about. <laughs> uh, I actually got the country wrong. But I was like, yes. Uh, and And... And, and looking back, when I asked them why they did it, they were like, well, you just kept coming for our trainings and we were under the impression you had a lot of potential. <laughs> Whether or not I have lived up to that potential is another story. But I think the right. point but here putting is... putting your name out correct, there is the most Correct, just putting yourself out there. It's really the value of Wayang. Like, I know everyone in Singapore hates Wayang and I get very cringy sometimes also when like, I have to go and Wayang this, Wayang that. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people and sometimes Wayang is the way that you get yourself noticed and I think that's mm. important. We are we're we're talking a lot about uni debating, but we haven't really talked about, about like in the years that you all have been debating in uni, like what have you actually gotten from it? Because Sherms actually just said like it's not gonna help you with employment. In fact, it may make you less employable. So I'm sure I'm sure there are some kids out there who might be thinking right now, gosh, well, then why the fuck am I am, am I gonna bother, right? If it's not going to be that valuable and it's and, and obviously there are some kids who don't care so much about being the very best in debate. What's the value then? What's the what are the takeaways? So I think the biggest thing I think I feel like I changed about me as a result of debating. And and I don't know if this seems ironic. Um is I feel like I have a lot less opinions than I did before I started debating. Is that a good thing? So I think I personally think it's a good thing. I can see why a lot of people would think that that's a bad thing. Um so what I think I realized of debating a lot is that act, the, classically, most issues have two sides to them. Um, and I kind of think that what more often than not, what pushes you one way or the other ends up being a very, very personal issue. 
or personal value judgment. There isn't necessarily something you can. Um, in, that is, it's not necessarily reasonable to impose on other people or to expect that they see things the same way. That's one angle. The second thing I realized is that a lot of things like debating is weird, right? Like we go in and we pretend that we know what's going on, um, and the issue, and then we talk about it, even though functionally no one's near an expert. Right. And I feel like a lot of debates have just ended in me going, yeah, but actually I don't know this. That might make a big difference. Or like, yeah, actually information is really valuable to making that decision. And that's information I don't have. Um, and so I feel like one of the things that debating, I, I've ended up with after debating for quite a while, is like having a lot less fixed opinions or being a lot more open to persuasion on a lot of things. Do you think um, it's humble to you? What? Like the idea that you don't know everything. Like is it humbling in a way? Um, humbled as in like so. I'm very arrogant. Like, like I mean, I don't think it's arrogant, right? But but like, did you come into debate? Let's say maybe when you were sec three, sec four, noble was came from elite schools. Like, did it feel like back then? You just thought you just thought you just thought you knew a lot, and then as time went on. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, so I think I feel like it needs. I need to be. I need to cover what I said, which is, it's not that you shouldn't have opinions mm. but you sh- I, I think it's fair to say that you should be open to having those pers- opinions straight and you should be educated about your non-opinions mm. um, so I, I, I don't particularly advocate for people being apathetic but yeah I think it's fair to say that like at a younger age you know you like <laughs> you debate teaches you how to like sound a bit atas and yeah. get away with not actually being able to justify opinion very much right. or make you feel like it's a, it's a like it gives you an opinion and you're not sticking to it. And that right. teaches you to post facto rationalize opinions. Um and I feel like those are bad habits of debating. Um that I I like so yeah, I I guess in that sense it's maybe humbling. I think also, I suppose one of the biggest things debate made me realize was how privileged I am. And consequently how unqualified I am to have a lot of this of opinions. Or how or how unqualified my opinions are. So, so let's let's say you go into a debate topic, like a, a debate motion, yeah. you know absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. Right. How like do you square the fact that you kind of have to be, in some ways, intellectually dishonest? So in all honesty, I start off hating myself for not knowing it first. So like for example, Indian feminism, Lakshmi and Kali have been the bane of my debating. They've knocked me out so many times, and so and like I finally paid the price for it at an actual important tournament, right? Cause ABP finals didn't know shit. Rohan Kapoor and OG and they don't give a damn good speech. Um, as did Rohan, and that was it. We were out. Right. And I mean, we made some mistakes of your out. Um, so I, I start by hating myself for not knowing and blaming, my, like, blaming myself for not knowing. Right. But after that, then you do the most, the, I guess, the next most intellectually honest thing, thing the debate, the, that the scene asks you to do, which right. is you take your pool of knowledge and then you go, okay, this is what I know. Right. Let's logically extend and hope they're correct. Right. Um, and then honestly, I don't take a lot of pride in those wins. Um, they just feel a bit shit. How about you, Shami? I mean, I think kind of the same, but probably from a different lens. I, I've never had an issue knowing that there are probably two sides to every story. Um, in fact, I think one of the issues is that I'm always so cognizant that there are two sides to every story that for a long time, I struggled to have my own opinions or to believe in anything very strongly uh, because I'm always uh, kind of sure that I'm missing something out. But I would say, like, one thing that has taught me is that, like, at least insofar as it comes to, like, mm, like empathy and stuff. Because um, the debating circuit is very diverse. 
Uh, and you do get to meet a lot of people. I met a lot of people from like different countries, all walks of life. Uh, and, and you begin to realize very quickly that people from other countries have a very, very different understanding or a very different base of understanding what is normal to them and what is normal to you. Um, and they face a lot of different problems that you may never have considered. So it really made me feel like, okay, maybe sometimes um, the, the things that I think are objectively good or worth one thing in life are not universal for everyone. I think that's probably one of my biggest... Give me an example. Um, so, okay, when I was younger, I always thought like, oh, you know, um, growing up, going to a good school, like getting a high-powered, high-paying job, being very traditionally successful is the only thing that is worth fighting for. Uh, right. and, and obviously, that extends to everyone else. I'm like, oh, if people don't study hard, why aren't you studying hard? Don't you want to do well in school? Um, don't you want to... Like make something of yourself, blah, blah, blah. And so there was a lot of uh, irritation towards people that I perceive as not doing particularly well or what is necessary to do well, uh, which is very ironic because I, I didn't do that well in school for a bit. Um, but I always was of the opinion that I could if I wanted to and that I would do it later on, which I kind of did like, later on. Uh, but I think meeting other people, I began to realize that, oh, that's not true. Some people genuinely don't have the access or capacity to be able to uh, you know, do education the way that um, I've sort of taken for granted I'll be able to do. Uh, they often have many more things to worry about. Or some people don't care about, you know, being traditionally successful. They might, they might want other things in life. They might want, I don't know, adventure, <laughs> some other weird thing. Um, there are just many options. Uh, actually, I was having a conversation with a friend about this. It, there's apparently a philosopher who has talked about this before. It's called like radical freedom. Uh, at any point, you have the freedom to be able to do anything that you want. Um, and I think it's difficult to really understand what that means until you sort of met a lot of different kinds of people. Uh, so yeah, I just have had a lot more appreciation for like the diversity of people that exist out there in the world um, and, and acknowledging that uh, everyone probably, most people probably have something worth sharing uh, that, that's worth knowing about them. So obviously like, where we which ever activity you do in uni, mm. like you're gonna meet people from like diverse backgrounds. Do you think that debate specifically lends itself to better conversations with them or understanding them better? Yes, because uh the first thing obviously is that you're forced to interact on a very broad range of issues and, and see their views on a lot of different things. But I actually think uh it's not true that in university you get to meet a very diverse obviously it's a fairly diverse range, but it's not actually as diverse as people think that it is. The first, obviously, because the class of people that enter into university, um, like NUS, are actually a pretty homogenous class, even if it may not seem that way. There is much greater diversity outside of it. But I think secondly also, um, in terms of your ability to interact with people from outside of your country, that happens a lot more in debating as well. I was actually just uh, thinking about how, if I wanted to travel into, uh, if I wanted to travel to any country, to most countries in the world at this point of time, I will be able to call someone that I know who's a, like local in that country and be like, hey, can I crash for a couple of days or whatever? I mean, it's a very nice thought that, that there's a freedom that I have. And it, it's something that I realize not many people have access to, which suggests therefore that, you know, debating not only allows you to get to know many people from diverse um, areas, but also to form very meaningful and real connections with them because you're kind of like in this silo where you're doing this one activity that is easy to catch up on. You don't have to have a field to play football with them. You can like do it over, you can do it online. There's like a lot to chat about. Um, it's very good, like conversational fodder. Mm -hmm. So I think because of that, um, it, it's probably, 
it's probably a lot wider of a range of exposure than, than traditional university would provide. Right. Some, some people will say um, that, that's, that that experience is only available if you're like the, the best debater, right? And, and therefore people know who you are. Um, do you think that's applicable to, you know, the average NUS debater or the average, you know, I guess, debater from other schools? Ah, uh, yeah. So I think that's actually a good point. Like, I'm obviously very lucky to have had a lot of these um, interactions. Not just because, like, you know, I, I happen to have some successes, but also because I debated at a time where debating was still in person. A lot of these interactions and friendships develop organically when you meet people um, it, where they live or, like, somewhere else. So I think, obviously, it's a, a lot of luck. Uh, I think, but I do think that a lot of my best friends, we were not all successful when we first started out. We were just, you know, the losers that were at a major together. Um, and kind of like this band of losers came together to commiserate over how bad we were. Um, and over time, you know, in, in the way things go, as, as, we, as time went by, some of us got more successful and we sort of bonded over the fact that we were friends even before that recognition set in. So I would say a lot of the real friendships develop on the basis of not necessarily being successful, but obviously having the privilege to attend the majors in the first place. The second one, definitely yes, because if you're more successful, you get opportunities to fly around more, you get to interact with more people more often. Um, so I do think that's definitely something that comes with, I guess, proficiency in the sport. Uh, but to that end, I, I think it's it's like a nice reward, right? right? That that comes beyond just being good at the activity. Right. Um, it is a it's not a necessary, it's not a necessary quality, I think, but it's definitely one that makes the experience a lot more enriching and, and get allows you to access a lot more of these benefits. But even if you're just an average debater, I, I still think there are that you can you can take feel some part of this. I'll be sure into this. Not because it's an average debater. Um but <laughs> But, but because, because like, like you have developed most of the friendships that you have, let's say with Ateneo or with whoever, over the online debating period, and Shams just said a lot of these friendships are developed by being in the same place together, which obviously you didn't have the opportunity to do. How then did that develop for you? So I think it's probably fair to say that I'm not as close to other people from other countries as Shami is to her friends. I think that's objectively fair to say. Yeah. I don't think I'll upset anyone by saying that. Um, but no, it's just, it's, so for me, the way it happens is you, sometimes you're in a room um, and you just text about the round. Um, sometimes, yeah. Uh, so the first, like some people, first time I messaged them was, um, oh, we were in council, which is basically, think of council as like, a month for the tournament. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not. That's not how to think of it. Okay. The way I the way I describe it is: imagine if the rules for MIDCs were decided by each JC, and before MIDC started, every JC had to get together to vote on what all these rules were going to be. Yeah, and it feels like a really. It feels like somehow worse than a month. It much worse was, than a month. Much worse, much worse than, a month. than a month. Please remember that all debaters like to hear themselves speak, uh, even over the most pedantic issues that don't matter. Yeah, for and the record, I have, no one can say that you're wrong in council. For the record, I've done my share of council. I'm never going back, but I did many. Um, and I was not very good at paying attention in them. So a lot of people I actually started to talk to because I texted them and went, "Hey, please let me know if I need to vote on something. Thank you very much." Um, so I, it's it's just these random things, I suppose, that I start texting people. Um, 
And I'll, in all fairness, I think it's plausible that um, a bit my friendships, the people I talk to more, maybe lean slightly closer to people who are performing well at the moment. Um, at which I think it's just because like, if you're texting because of rounds, um, you see the same fellow again and again, you're more likely to text them. But I think it's fair to say that like, inter- if, if you're talking internationally, right. most people, like the, the chances to connect are ironically quite great, especially for people who aren't like, who might not want to talk in person so much. Um, and also, I will say that my, like the way I go about talking to people and the fact that I only really message people after multiple rounds has a lot to do with I'm naturally very introverted. Um, so, yeah. I, I guess that is one distinction. Um, so if even Sean can get there. <laughs> yeah. What, if even Sean can make friends, everyone can make friends. <laughs> That's right. That's wow. Right. <laughs> the only nice thing say about me today is I'm not an average debater. <laughs> you don't have to take it as a compliment. It could be below average. 